and a song about a historical Ukrainian hero by the name of Hamalia. And that was performed for you by Fata Morgana, formerly from Ukraine and now from the States for about the last oh, 20 years or so. Again, Fata Morgana and Hamalia. Vitaio vas vsih dorohi radio suhichi na radio peredaču naš holos radio krinskoho korinja. Hovorit Pavlina, djakuju što rišalo je prebuti zimnoju nastupnu hodenu, me majmo duže cikavi novene nasjuničnih prašami i takož čudovu krinsku muziku. Hello there and welcome to Nasholos Ukrainian Roots Radio. I'm your host Pavlina. Thank you so much for joining me this hour. We have a great program lined up for you. We've got Ukrainian news, or news from Ukraine rather, and that is courtesy Ukraine Today. As well, we have Ukrainian Jewish heritage and a book review about a book that is hot off the presses and it is the history of Babinyar and Peter will be telling you all about that coming up. So stay tuned. As well, we've got our usual proverb of the week, other items of interest, and great Ukrainian music. And that song that opened our program harkens back to about 20 or so years ago. And we're going to stay in that era for just a bit. And we have now Bratehodyukina for you, the wild and crazy Viper Brothers from Ukraine, and a song that also dates back to the 1990s or maybe even a bit earlier. And here they are now Bratehodyukina with Arriva Derci Roma.
want to listen to Nash Holes without using your web browser? Well, it's very easy. Download Stitcher's Smart Radio for iPhone and Android. Thanks to the foresight and generosity of its donors, the Taras Shevchenko Foundation has been investing in the future of the Ukrainian-Canadian community for over 50 years. Since 1963, the Taras Shevchenko Foundation has been funding initiatives that strengthen our Ukrainian-Canadian identity and enhance our Ukrainian-Canadian cultural heritage. These include fine and performing arts and arts groups, museums, cultural centers, education, as well as authors, journalists, and the Ukrainian-Canadian media, including this program. The Foundation strives to become the premier not-for-profit foundation in a Canada which acknowledges the Ukrainian-Canadian community as a fundamental component of Canadian society. Nash Hollis listeners are encouraged to support this vision through continued donations into the future. To apply for grants, make a donation, or for more information, visit ShochenkoFoundation.com.
And that is an experimental group, at least that's how they label themselves, called Troyazilia, which is an offshoot of the Cherry Band. And they like to do different things. They experiment with all kinds of different genres of music. And as you can tell, that was a Ukrainian, um, I guess, a, what do they call those things? Mashup. <laughs> of a traditional Ukrainian folk song, Payamo Payamo, and Dave Brubeck's very famous Take 5. Again, Troyazilia with Payamo, Take 5. Up next, a little closer to home, we have Dunai from Toronto, Ontario, and this is from their most recent EP, a remake of the classic Ron Cahoot's Fly Cossack Fly. We are brothers Against the tricks and tires go 
And now for a look at Ukraine's rich Jewish heritage, then and now, brought to you by the Ukrainian Jewish Encounter based in Toronto, Ontario. Welcome to Ukrainian Jewish Heritage on Nash Holos Ukrainian Roots Radio. I'm Peter Bager. It was always a very scenic area of forests and ravines, a very pleasant green zone on the edge of the city. Picturesque. It was once known as the Switzerland of Kiev, innocent and bucolic. All that changed over the course of a couple of days at the end of September 1941. Babin Yar, on the outskirts of Kiev, became a global symbol of the Holocaust and entered the language as shorthand for unfathomable cruelty and unprecedented loss of life. Babanyar was the site of the murder of nearly 34,000 Kievan Jews that dark September. The killings continued over the next couple of years during the German occupation of Kiev, with continued shootings of tens of thousands more Jews, as well as the Roma people, the patients of psychiatric hospitals, Soviet prisoners of war, Ukrainian national activists, Communist Party members, and ordinary residents of Kiev taken as hostages. We are still coming to grips with this legacy. Now a new book, entitled Babin Yar, History and Memory, is dedicated to the commemoration of the 75th anniversary of Babin Yar. This book, sponsored by the Ukrainian Jewish Encounter, is the result of the collaborative effort of scholars working with the editors Vladislav Hrinevich and Paul Robert Mogochi. The scholars are from various disciplines in Canada, France, Israel, the Netherlands, Ukraine, and the United States. All the contributors were united by a desire to inform the international community about the history of one of the 20th century's most terrible human tragedies. They also wanted to underline the importance of preserving its memory. At the center of the book, of course, is the history of a Nazi crime. But this history is a departure point for a deeper discussion. The book also covers the politics of memory and forgetting from the Stalinist period to the present day and the cultural memory of Papin Yar. The contributions to this volume are based on documentary sources and academic research. The essays provoke questions for further discussion, especially since the various authors may raise the same questions, but do not always arrive at the same answers. As the editors in the introduction to the book point out, this most recent anniversary of the Babinier tragedy allows us to understand that the past is not some construct set in stone, forever fixed in place. It is instead a dynamic phenomenon open to new discoveries. Every era and every generation contributes its own vision and interpretation of the Babinier tragedy. These are expressed in a variety of dimensions. Finally, it is important to point out there is a generational aspect to the reinterpretation of this tragedy, as every generation does this in its own way. The book also poses questions, especially to those who were born in an independent Ukraine. What is Babin Yar in our memory? And how does this memory fit into our understanding of the past, and into the philosophical and ideological picture of the present and the future? As the editors remind us, to know and remember the Babinyar tragedy means not allowing such a crime to be repeated. And in the Ukrainian experience, Babinyar is also a symbolic farewell to empire 
and its mythological legacy, a return to the work of sadness and the formation of a culture of mourning. As Norman Neymark of Stanford University points out in his preface to the book, Babanyar is in many ways still unfinished business. There is no consensus on how to memorialize the Kievan Jews killed there. There is also considerable confusion about how to deal with the multiple interests of victim groups, in addition to the Jews who lost substantial numbers of their people at Babanyar. But as Neymark writes, one thing is certain. Babanyar will be remembered in Ukraine. In the wake of Ukrainian independence in 1991, the Orange Revolution of 2004, and the Euromaidan demonstrations of the winter of 2013-2014, Ukrainians and Jews have linked arms to honor those who perished at the hands of the Nazis during the war. Babanyar unites their common grief and inspires common hopes for amity, justice, and truth. This has been Ukrainian Jewish Heritage on Nash Holos Ukrainian Roots Radio. Stay tuned for future shows for information on how to acquire the book Babinyar History and Memory. From San Francisco, I'm Peter Baker. Until next time, Shalom. Ukrainian Jewish Heritage is brought to you by the Ukrainian Jewish Encounter, based in Toronto, Ontario. To find out more about their work, visit their website and follow them on Facebook and Twitter. Transcripts and audio files of this and earlier broadcasts of Ukrainian Jewish Heritage are available at their website, ukrainianjewishencounter.org, as well as at the Nasholos website, www.nasholos.com.
And another Toronto group for you, that was the Canadian Banduras Capella with a song from the Sitrovistuduzzi era. And uh, that stands, that translates rather as sharpshooters. And this harkens back about a hundred years or so ago. And the song is called Oi Vedno Solo, which means, Hey, there is a village in sight. Coming up next is a Ukrainian group by the name of Kozak System and featuring Taras Chubai. This is a song from the Povstansky era, and that is the next war in the 20th century, the uh, World War II era. And it's actually even past World War II when Ukrainians were fighting both um, the Nazis and Soviets, and then after World War II ended, just the Soviets. And the song is called Lenta Zalentoyu, which means pass the magazine, and it's not the kind you read. Вечеріє, повстанське серце б'є, а лента на бої поспішно подає, ах, лента за лентою на бої подавай, країські повстанче в бою не відступай, ах, лента за лентою на бої подавай, країські повстанче в бою не відступай. А ворог атакує і прикся, що сил, юнак кулеметник їх правно косив. А хлента зелентою на бої подавай, країнські повстанче в бою не вступай. А хлента зелентою на бої подавай, країнські повстанче в бою не вступай. Як сонце сходило, втомлений юнак, Упав він ранений, упав він на взнак. Ах, лента зелентою на бої подавай, Країнський повстань, ще в бою не вступай. Ах, лента зелентою на бої подавай, Країнський повстань, ще в бою не вступай. До нього санітарка поспішно йде, в обличчя вдивляєсь, його пізнає. Ах, лента зелентою на бої подала, Українські повстанче в бою не вступай. Ах, лента зелентою на бої подавай, Українські повстанче в бою. Ах, лента, зале 
Українські повстанче бою не виступай, а хлента зелентою на бой подавай. Українські повстанче бою не відступай. Ви слухаєте радіопередачу «Наш голос» радіо Українського коріння на багатомовній радіостанції АМ-1320 у місті Ванкувері, говорить Павліна. You're listening to Nash Holos Ukrainian Roots Radio on AM 1320 CHMB Vancouver. I'm your host Pavlina. Now the latest news stories from Ukraine, courtesy Ukraine's first international English news channel, Ukraine Today. One Ukrainian soldier was killed, another was wounded in eastern Ukraine just hours before the ceasefire was established. This is according to the administration of the Ukrainian president. Ukraine's defense minister, Stepan Polterok, reports of no shellings in Donbass region since midnight. On the contrary, the journalists at the battlefront report the militants do not follow the ceasefire regime. Avdiivka, industrial zone to the north of Donetsk, has been shelled from heavy artillery weapons. In the village of Marienka, the enemy attacked the positions of the battalion Donbass Ukraine. However, having received harsh response for the Ukrainian soldiers, the militants retreated. Stepan Polterak claims he is being informed on the state of affairs in the ATO zone every 15 minutes. On August 26th, during a meeting of the trilateral contact group in Minsk, Ukrainian representatives called on Russian-backed separatist forces to stop violating the ceasefire regime on September the 1st. I was pleasantly surprised. There was no ceasefire violation since midnight until early in the morning. I hope this trend is to be continued. Two Ukrainian soldiers were killed in the ATO zone in eastern Ukraine during the past 24 hours. One of the fighters was shot by an enemy sniper. Another one was wounded in a battle and later died because of injuries. Russian-backed separatist forces attacked the positions of Ukrainian army along the borderline. In Donetsk sector, the militants shelled the towns of Avdiivka, Novgorodsky and Piski. The neighboring Mariupol sector has undergone numerous artillery attacks. In particular, the towns of Shirokina, Krasnohorovka. One local resident was badly wounded in the town of Shastia in Lugansk region. The woman served as a paramedic officer. Currently, she is being treated in the town of Severodonetska. Apart from Shastia, Russian-backed separatists shelled the villages of Novo-Oleksandrovka, Popasna and Stanitsia Luganska. In the neighboring town of Zolote, a hostile sniper was detected. Russian-backed separatist forces continue shelling the positions of Ukrainian soldiers. The hottest point reported is Avdiivka industrial zone. There, the militants attack Ukrainian army using tanks and anti-aircraft guns. This house was burned two days ago after being shot by a rocket-propelled grenade. Another one was destroyed by an enemy's mortar mine. Banned heavy artillery and mortars are also used in Mariupol direction. Russian proxies start attacking late in the evening. The journalists arrived at the site at about 6 p.m., when the militants are usually having some rest. The soldiers take the unique chance and organize an excursion around the front line. In a while, Russian-backed snipers start working. The enemy shoots from three sides simultaneously. Usually the militants attack from approximately 600 meters. Ukrainian soldiers say sometimes the enemies dare to come closer than 100 meters. The soldiers from battalion Donbass Ukraine respond quickly, shelling the enemy with portion of lead. However, Russian-backed separatists are too active to get frightened by some shooting arms. 
They are celebrating the miners' day. Russian miners come from Russia to destroy Ukrainian mines and kill Ukrainian citizens. The fighters from Battalion Donbass, Ukraine, are merely from this region. For instance, the soldier nicknamed Macho used to live in the city of Bakhmut, to the north of Donetsk. He insists these fights are not only for Ukrainian sovereignty, but for his local homeland as well. Meanwhile, Russian-backed separatists continue advancing on the village of Marinka. When Ukrainian soldiers shoot in response, the militants step back. In view of unexpected danger, the journalists are evacuated from the hot point. An armed car driving on high speed has taken the media workers away to a safe place. Thousands of Russian servicemen were involved in fighting in eastern Ukraine. Journalists from the investigative group Bellingcat have published a new report unveiling the number of Russian soldiers fighting on the territory of Ukraine. According to the recent data, 4,300 awards have been entrusted to numerous Russian mercenaries combating in eastern regions or contributing to the fightings against Ukrainian army. Bellingcat experts have examined a big deal of pictures from social networks. They figured out the Russians were awarded with the medals of Suvorov and Zhukov, courage in combat, as well as with the medals of Velour and for battle merit. The researchers compared the unveiled data and the official statistics of the frequency of medal bestowal in Russian military ranks. They claim there must have been at least 10,000 Russian citizens participating in the armed conflict in eastern Ukraine. Garbage protest unfolds in western Ukraine. Residents of Hrybovichi, Malehiv and Dublane villages in Lviv region block the traffic on the roadway from Lviv to Ravaruska. The road is the main on the route from Lviv to Ukrainian-Polish state border. People are outraged with the recent intentions of Lviv city administration. Local officials are set to renew garbage dumping at Hrybovichi disposal dump. It was previously closed in May after a fire in a landslide killed three firemen. Now the locals demand the city mayor Andriy Sadovy to arrive at the site. They claim to have recently seen numerous vehicles covertly bringing new portions of garbage. People are sure the city authorities ignore the promises to close the disposal dump. The officials in turn insist no garbage has been brought to the site since late May. The machinery the locals have noticed is fixing the dump slopes to prevent new catastrophes. It is crucial to finish the work right now. The upcoming autumn with rainy weather may severely worsen the situation with the hill. It is very unsteady even now. We are very afraid of a new landslide. At least three people died at Hrybovichi disposal dump on the 30th of May. Fire brigade came there to combat the blaze as someone set the dump on fire. Tons of aggregated trash collapsed, burying three firemen and ecological activists. Three men were later found dead. The ecologist is still missing. Ukraine, Poland and Lithuania are set to publish a joint declaration on Soviet invasion to Poland on 17th of September 1939. The initiative belongs to the chairman of Ukraine's parliament Andriy Parubi, who went to Warsaw to meet with Marek Kuczynski, the marshal of the same in Poland. The functionaries of both countries claim two imperialistic regimes of USSR and Nazi Germany unleashed the war in Europe, killing thousands of Ukrainians, Poles and Lithuanians. Ukraine promises to evaluate the scale of the Volin tragedy, previously recognized as genocide. In July, the Polish Sejm adopted a resolution setting 11th of July as the National Day of Remembrance for the victims of the massacre. According to the text of the document, the citizens of Second Republic were brutally murdered by Ukrainian nationalists. Parubi stresses, both Poland and Ukraine are willing to launch joint evaluation of the contradictory historical events in order to avoid any further discordances.
Mr. Mark Kuczynski strongly supported me in my initiative to adopt a joint resolution. Tomorrow, I'm set to meet with my Lithuanian colleague who is anticipated to join us. The unity of three countries must help withstand new threats as well as overcome some minor contradictions in historical interpretation. Ukrainian government has approved a concept of restoration and development of peace in areas that were freed from Russian-backed separatist forces. The project is currently being elaborated. Numerous issues are to be added in the near future. In particular, Ukraine is planning to restore the most important infrastructural objects destroyed by separatist shellings. Renewing the social payments and economic restoration is also on agenda. International donors are expected to partially cover the costs. The rest is to be financed from the state budget. The first item we mention is restoring the schools and kindergartens in the region. In vast perspective, we strive for implementing the Minsk Peace Protocol, as well as establishing new workplaces for the locals and developing business climate. The fighter from Ukrainian battalion Donbass has become a father. His son Gordy was born 58 centimeters in length, weighing 4 kilos and 200 grams. Happy parents Tetyana and Roman are proud of their child. They promise their son will become a real Cossack and hero. The baby is unaware that he was born due to the war in eastern Ukraine and television. His parents got acquainted nine years ago. In 2014, his father went to the war. When the TV cameras arrived in Luhansk region for filming the ATO fighters, Roman announced on air of his wish to marry his beloved woman, Tetyana. My darling, will you marry me? I hope one day I will be back home, and I believe you're going to say yes. I immediately called him and shouted in the phone, yes, yes. They got married on Valentine's Day. In a year, Tetyana reported she was waiting for their first baby. At the time his wife knew she was pregnant, Roman already signed a contract. When his son was born, the soldier was near Mariupol in Donetsk region. Now all three of them are going for a walk. Roman says he's dreaming that his children would never know about war. Nevertheless, the couple is going to bring up their son as a fighter and defender of Ukraine. On 1st of September, Ukraine started a new schooling year. Thousands of children, as well as newly-fledged students, went to the schools and universities to get educated. This year, many parents initiated a so-called no-flower flash mob. They refused from traditional bookings granted to the teachers. On the contrary, the activists offered the money, supposed to be spent on flowers, rather be sent to the ATO charity funds. Various school administrations in Kyiv report the number of the first-grade pupils this year is enormous. For instance, one of the city schools in Darnitsa's district had to launch eight first-year classes. The teachers say it is because the school is the only one in the district. Unlike Kyiv, schools in eastern Ukraine can hardly start a new studying year. Teachers report of 6,500 first-grade pupils in total on the whole frontline territory. Ten children started school in Krasnohorivka in Donetsk region. Those who are to graduate the next year estimate no more than four people. Local teachers say they have been working here for 30 years. There have been five secondary schools in Krasnohorivka before the war. Now one of them is totally destroyed. Two more are being steadily reconstructed. In winter, though, only one is set to work, since the others have no heating. This year, 400 pupils in total came to school for studying. It is three times less than in the peace time. The teachers say the war has not changed their pupils much. The only difference is that the children from the front line know more about gun calibers. 
a career path from history student to a participant of military parade on Ukraine's Independence Day. This is what Vitaly Kuzmenko has gone through in the past three years. Three years ago, a student of historical department came to Maidan in late November 2013. Vitaly says he could not stay at home among his books. He came to the main key square with his friends. Young people sat exactly under the independence monument. Vitaly went aside to smoke a cigarette when he noticed the officers of Berkut, Ukrainian Special Purpose Police Unit, approaching the crowd. <laughs> Numerous Berkut servicemen attacked the peaceful student demonstration late at night. Kuzmenko recovered consciousness in the hospital already. He had a broken arm and a brain concussion, a result of beating by Berkut. He spent two weeks in a clinic recovering. With his arm fixed in plaster, Vitaly returned to Maidan. He spent the bloodiest days of the Revolution of Dignity with his compatriots in the protest camp. When Berkut servicemen approached the International Convention Center Ukrainian House, he was among the first to rush there. As a professional historian, Kuzmenko wanted to save the funds of Kyiv Museum. Vitaly Kuzmenko went to the military commissariat as soon as the war in eastern Ukraine started. At first, the medical commission did not let him serve in the armed forces in view of the previous injuries. Nevertheless, Vitaly managed to join the army in autumn 2014. He served in the intelligence service close to Mariupol. In the spring of 2016, the soldier eventually made a transfer to inactive duty. In the beginning of August, he was offered to participate in the military parade. Урочистим маршем крокує зведений підрозділ учасників АТО, героїв, які є резервом першої окремої танкової бригади. Vitaly graduated from the university during his absence leave from the army. Now he is studying to get a PhD degree. Vitaly says his historical interests have shifted somehow. Now he is not striving to learn the Middle Ages anymore, but concentrates mainly on the contemporary Russian imperialist policy. Vitaly stresses he is ready to defend Maidan again if such necessity ever emerges. Ukrainian culture preserved and reconstructed through ages. The descendants of outstanding Ukrainian nowadays follow the direction once transmitted by their talented ancestors. This 26-year-old man is a descendant of Taras Shevchenko, one of the most talented Ukrainian poets. Vasil Babich graduated from musical school of Mykola Lysenko. Now he plays cello in the presidential orchestra. A year ago, Babich married a violinist. His elder brother is also a musician, living and working in Austria. Babich, in turn, has chosen to live and work in Ukraine. He adds, though in the contemporary world of globalization, the place of residence is not that crucial. Our world has become a global village. Have a glimpse at my brother. Though living in Austria, he's able to do much more for Ukraine than I do. He earns more, so he can send more charity money for the Ukrainian army. This woman is ready to tell of her biggest pride. Mariana Yevtushenko is a granddaughter of Ostap Vyshnya, an outstanding Ukrainian satiric writer. One of the rooms in her flat is turned into a museum. There she keeps all the artifacts one used by her famous grandfather. When showing the family heritage, Mariana wears a traditional Ukrainian vyshevanka. She says her ancestor belonged to the so-called Ukrainian executed renaissance. The term describes a generation of Ukrainian writers and artists of 1920s and 1930s, executed or repressed by Soviet totalitarian regime. Ostap Vyshnya was lucky enough to survive after the persecutions. My first granddad was sentenced to death. In the very last moment, the authorities changed the death penalty to 10 years behind the bars. In 1937, he was sentenced to execution again. It was long cold winter, so the prisoners were not convoyed to the execution site on time. And when they finally arrived, the commandment has changed, so the sentence was abolished. Neither Babich nor Yevtushenko are sure if they are on the right way, as their famous relatives would wish them to follow. Nevertheless, they say the task for today is to further preserve Ukrainian culture and transmit the national values to younger generations.
And with that, we've come to the end of this week's Ukraine News Roundup for this edition of Nasholas Ukrainian Roots Radio. To hear more news from Ukraine today, check all of this week's editions of Nasholos at www.nasholos.com. And for their full roster of breaking stories, as well as interviews, press reviews, and in-depth analysis on Ukraine, follow Ukraine Today on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and their live blog, uatoday.tv. in Vancouver's Ukrainian community. On Wednesday's Catch Nash Holos Ukrainian Roots Radio broadcasting live from Nanaimo to north and central Vancouver Island, the Gulf Islands, the Sunshine Coast, northwest Washington State, and in the greater Vancouver listening area. Wednesdays from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Pacific Time on CHLY Radio Malaspina, 101.7 FM on the radio dial and streaming online at chly.ca. Nasholos now airs in international syndication on the PCJ Radio Network, broadcasting weekly on AM, FM, and shortwave radio to over 20 countries. Information and podcast links on PCJ Radio at www.pcjmedia.com. On Saturday, September 10th, there will be an exhibit dedicated to the 125th anniversary of Ukrainian immigration to Canada. It will take place in Clifford Carl Hall at the Royal BC Museum in Victoria. The Luna Ensemble Singers will be performing and there will be several guest speakers. That's the 125th anniversary of Ukrainian immigration to Canada at the Royal BC Museum, 675 Belleville Street in Victoria, Saturday, September 10th at 2 p.m. Channel 8 Omni airs two Ukrainian-language TV shows in the Vancouver viewing area, Kontakt TV Sundays at 7 a.m., with repeats Tuesdays at 9 a.m. and Thursdays at 7 a.m., and Forum TV Sundays at 8 a.m., with repeats on Tuesdays at 10 a.m. and Thursdays at 12 noon. And at 6 p.m. on Saturday evenings, flip your radio dial right back here to AM 1320 CHMB Vancouver or catch the live stream at am1320.com. And join me for another hour of fun on Nasholos Ukrainian Roots Radio. In between broadcasts, make sure to follow Nasholos and me on Facebook and Twitter. And for audio archives, transcripts, podcast feeds and more, visit our website at www.nasholos.com.
Ласкин сагона хартувалась рука. Крізь огнисту броні шли до бою ми знов. Я був постанцем за правду кров. Я був чорним вороном, покидним до тіні. У холодного яру останній години. Здався, кого страх поборов, Прийде в останиці пролля вашу кров. Я був лісовим братом на волині, До кінця опирався червоній лавині, Від безсилої люті скаженів людолов. Я повстанець, Лютого на Майдані Проти снайперів, паркоту та поліцаю Так добре напал, на броні запалав Я повстав за свободу, свою кров проливав Я повстав, це залишуся, аж до загину Не прогнати мене Моєї країни, щоб зрадиться виплід у пекло зійшов. Я воюю на сході, кипить моя кров. Так я повстанець і кипить моя кров. Я повстав за свободу, тече моя кров. And that was a group called Komovnez and a song called Povstanets, which translates as Freedom Fighter, and it's pretty well, if you understand Ukrainian, it is a story of centuries of bloodshed, which the current war, I suppose, is hoping to put an end to forever. Komovnez and Povstanets. Up next, a song about unity in Ukraine, 21st century variety. Here is Shabla Life and Brate Ukrinci, Ukrainian brothers. Любимо діти, мила мамо і тату. Я йду на війноньку нашу землю захищати. Не плачте за мною, якщо болі згину. Це вітам за любоненьку нашу Україну. Єдинаємося, браття, цю лиху годину. Нехай ворог знає, ми за Україну. Богу душу нашу віддамо єдину. За нашою землю священну Україну. Богу душу нашу. Україну Ла-ла-ла-ла-ла-ла-ла-ла-ла-ла-ла-ла-ла-ла-ла-ла-ла-ла-ла-ла-ла-ла-ла-ла-ла-ла-ла-ла-ла-ла-ла-ла-ла-
росте за мною, якщо в полі згину, все віда за любоненьку мою Україну. Нежа ми вже скінчили нашу програму, що час додому і сказати до побачення, але перед тим я хочу залишити вас такими словами мудрості. Хто в науці добре поступає, тому і Бог помагає. And our proverb of the week translates as God helps those who study hard. And that is good advice since we are back to school pretty much everywhere around the world. And that brings us to the end of another edition of Nasholos Ukrainian Roots Radio. To take us to the end of our program, we have the Ukrainian connection from Saskatchewan from their Volume 1 album and Glenn's Polka. I'm Pavlina. On behalf of all of us here at Nash Holos and AM 1320, thanks for listening and Dobranich! Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now.